Today's scripture reading is Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 4 to 9. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This is God's word. I'm going to pray for us. Dear Lord, we just beg of you, God, to speak to us. Um, Just as you did through the reading of your word, through the worship. God, we pray that your your voice will come out clearly through your word, through me. Um, We praise you, God. May our lives reflect your worth. And when we fall short, forgive us. And may we celebrate your forgiveness and the grace that you give us. Thank you that you did not call us to be perfect. You just call us to trust in the one that who was perfect, in Jesus. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you, God, that you are a perfect heavenly father. In his name, amen. So we are in this series, second week into a series, well, I guess third week maybe, into our, a parenting series. Um, and as a result, I, I wore my best dad ever socks. I don't know if you can see those. Oh, I got them on. I think I just literally just pulled something. <laughs> I woke up three days ago with this massive crick, and it's just now kind of going away, and now I'm going to pull. You get older, and you just pull stuff. It's hard. Um, that's what parenting is about. Your body falls apart. Your life's falling apart. Your kids are falling apart. So good night, you know. Uh, we need help. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so emotionally parenting is kind of what this series has been called. Uh, two weeks ago... Tim Holler, he did a, uh, a series on, uh, uh, I'm sorry, a conference, a seminar on a Saturday that a lot of you guys got to come out to. And it was amazing. It was amazing. A lot of us, we just wish he could have kept talking for hours because parents were starved for help. We're starved just to be around people and say, hey, are you struggling too? Okay, let's hang in there, you know, uh, and just starve for ways to love our children because it's just so stinking hard. Man, it's just hard. And even I'm sure for those of you that have grandchildren or your your kids are older you probably still deal with issues with your kids even if they're 20 30 i see a couple grandparents going yeah oh yeah (laughs) my kid's 30 and he still has no sense uh that's what my dad's probably saying about me and my brothers um but uh it's hard and tim he gave us a lot of great wisdom on that um he talked about the the heart uh how to how to really get at our heart at our emotions and how to parent in such a way that uh, connects to our kids' hearts. And last week, Chris spoke on the importance of, of cultivating a tenderness in the, in the home, having tender hearts. Um, and, and they were so needed. I remember when uh, I was about a year ago that I went to uh, a conference that Tim spoke at, a parenting conference. And um, I said this at the conference to some of the parents, but uh, I was really struggling with my relationship with my second daughter. We've got, I've got four kids. And my second daughter, she's full of life, full of strength. Um, and uh, I was really struggling with that, um, of how to, how to parent her. Because I, I, I'm kind of full of, 
of strength and passion and life and anger too. And uh, I would I, I would meet her head on a lot, and I was really struggling. So we we're going to go to this conference, and uh, one of our babies got sick, and only one of us could go. One of me, you know, Kim and I could go. We kind of looked at each other, and she's like, you know, you're the one that needs to go. And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> It's me, 100%. I was the one that needed to go. And I went, and, and I could say since that year, Kim and I were talking about this in the car last night, uh, it's really helped me out a lot about just how to understand her heart, her emotions, understand my own. Um, I've learned so much from it, and I'm, I'm still learning. And so like Chris's sermon last week was so important for someone like me to hear. And, and so I'm feeling a little fear and a little shame this morning. Because I don't, I'm not as uh, skilled in the ways of the heart as Tim is, as Chris is. I'm still learning. I'm still growing. Um, I wish sometimes when you're a preacher, and this is true for probably a lot of people, uh, you see someone in your profession and you wish you could be like that. Uh, you're like, you know who you are. You're, you're strong in who you are. You love who you are. But sometimes you just, oh, I just wish I was like that. You know, I, sometimes I wish I could just speak like that. So this morning, you're just going to get me. <laughs> Uh, I'm not going to be able to go into the deepness of the heart and understanding all that, hopefully some, but this morning's the basics. This morning you're going to get the basics. We're going to Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to get the basics of parenting. In fact, it's, it's, I was reading some, some commentaries on, on this passage uh, a couple weeks ago, and it was saying how this is basically the most, one of the most important passages in all of Scripture. And so hopefully, though, if, if you are, don't have kids, that you will benefit from this. For your own heart, for your own self, but also, as we said, as Chris mentioned last week, and as I said a few weeks ago when, we, when I talked about what family ministry at Renewal looks like, we need you to help us parent our kids. I'm not saying that to scratch your back, to make you feel good, to kind of, you know, that's not pastor talk. I was very serious when I said that a few weeks ago, and I'm, I'm very serious about it now. I need your help. Parents need your help. Because a part of what this morning is, is, is that it takes community. We need, we need each other. You have to pass on what God's given. You've been given a gift. You've been given knowledge. You've been given uh, a heart to connect with other people, and we need that. So we, we need you here this morning. But this morning, this is, this is the basics. I've been watching a Band of Brothers. Uh, if you've ever watched that series, really I've been crying my way through Band of Brothers. It's just amazing. It's a, a TV series on, on um, World War II. And um, I always say war, 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 war two. I'm still a little kid. World War Two, um, <laughs> uh, World War Two, and it's it's an amazing uh, series that just walks through the lives of these men that have been together from from when they first enrolled, enlisted, and, and off until towards the end. And uh, a lot of times, uh, you you have these strategy moments where the officers, the higher ups, are given this great strategy to the men. And they're like, okay. And it's all this, you know, really detailed, intricate, how to, how to win, take over this position. And then usually after that, you uh, have these moments where the sergeants or the, the guys that are just with, that are with the men on a daily basis, right before they go into battle, just, just kind of go back to the basics. And they say, look, you've got a gun. There they are. Stand strong. Point and shoot. I'm with you. And that's, that's kind of, that's maybe where this message this morning kind of was born out of. I've been thinking a lot about warfare over the past few weeks. I've been reading some books on it. So I've kind of got this, I've just been like 
flexing the past few weeks. I'm just like, oh, I'm just ready to fight. And so I was preparing the sermon. I just got all excited. I, my, my, the, the apparent adrenaline was flowing through my veins, ready to fight. And that's what I want to do this morning to parents, to grandparents, to those that have influence over kids, is to put some courage in your veins, to look you in the eyes and go back to the basics and say, are you ready to fight? Are you ready to join me in this fight? Because there is a fight going on in the hearts of our children. The fight first starts in our own hearts because we are sinful and our sin gets thrown up on our kids. And it's the hardest thing to see. The hardest thing that I've ever seen is when my sin has directly influenced my kids. I can just think of moments in my life where I just failed them miserably. I'm just thinking about it right now. I'm thinking about this one moment. I just felt, and it's the hardest thing to see when my own sin hurts my children. But then also we have a culture, a, a world um, that is hostile, that wants to influence our kids, uh, that wants to, to hurt them. And we know that we have what's called, the, the Bible calls the God of this age, Satan, which is God's greatest enemy. We've been talking about that in the clubhouse the past few weeks, about how there is an enemy and he's real. And so we're called to fight against him, to stand firm against him. And Satan wants to go after the hearts of our kids. And we've got to fight. We've got to fight. Are you ready to fight, mom and dad? Are you ready to fight? Are you a passive parent or are you an active parent? Because you've got to fight. If you do nothing our culture will just run over us. Your sin will just run over us. We'll run over your children. you got to fight. And we get our strength from the Holy Spirit. We get our strength from God's Word. So we are going to chain ourselves to God's Word. That is the anchor in our lives. So here are the three simple points, the basics of parenting. Number one, love God. Number two, teach your children And number three, be with your children. See, that's simple, isn't it? That's not brilliant. (laughs) I'm not going to wow anybody with brilliant points. Love, be loving, be teaching, and be withing with your kids. Be with them. Withing. Isn't that good? That's a a new term. With your children. So here's our text. Let me read it again. Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God of all your heart, all your soul, and with all your might. Just a quick little point, if you've ever wondered about this, when you see in the New Testament, when Jesus quotes this as the greatest commandment, they add with all your mind. You ever wonder, why does the New Testament add that? Because in, in, in the Old Testament, written in Hebrew, the heart encapsulated the mind. The heart was the seat of your affections, but it's also where you willed, where you made decisions, where you thought, okay? So when you see heart in the Old Testament, think also mind. Don't, don't just divorce, divorce it from emotions, from the sections, but, it's, but also think mind. That's why in the New Testament, it, it adds the word mind, because in, in Greek, in the New Testament, it wants to put mind, so you really understand what is being communicated in this passage. Love God, love God with everything. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk of them when you sit at your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand. They shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. So the context here is is the Israelite community is standing before Moses, and he is recalling their uh, 
how God has saved them out of Egypt, where they were in slaves for four, they were slaves for 400 years. And God has said, I'm going to be your God. I promised, I made a covenant with you, Israelites. I made a covenant with Abraham, your great, 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 great grandfather, that you're going to be my people. And Moses is reminding them of this today. God is your God. He has saved you. He has loved you. So love him. Follow him. But in this passage of Scripture, we see that at a central part of God's plan for his people is the family. It is the covenant people passing on what God's given them. And so again, it's not just parents that are part of the covenant family. It's, it's everybody. If you're a believer, you're a part of the covenant family. It's God has called you, has blessed you, and it says now bless someone else. Pass this on to the next generation. This phrase is repeated over and over and over again in the history of this people, all, all in the Old Testament, everywhere in the Old Testament. Pass this on. Pass this on to the next generation. Because if we don't, it stops. Have you heard the, uh, the phrase that what one generation fails to pass on, the next generation, oh man, I can't remember, but it's like next, the next generation uh, doesn't get, and they even, oh man, I totally jacked this quote up. <laughs> what is, does anybody know that? It's uh, well, someone for, doesn't teach, the other person forgets, the other person doesn't even know it existed. I don't know. It's bad. Whatever it is. And eventually, yeah, you get a clap for that. Yeah, man, he's getting there. <laughs> Give him some encouragement. He's trying his best. See, that, that quote wasn't in my notes, so I don't have it down. I apologize. Oh, well. Pass it on. Pass it on. That is what we were called to do is pass it on. But in particular, parents, God has blessed you. Pass this on. So we'll, let's look at the first job in parenting. Love the Lord your God. The first and foremost job of a parent is your own faith, is cultivating and growing your own faith. It's loving God. That is first and foremost what you are called to be as a parent, as a worshiper, as an example. We cannot pass what we do not possess. Deuteronomy 6 is about enthroning God in your life. Is God the central most figure in your life? There's this word that that gets a bad rap at times, the word exclusive. That's what it's getting at here in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Lord our God is one. That's not talking about the unity of God. This passage is really talking about the exclusivity of God is that he is the only thing in our life that deserves our worship, that deserves our honor, that deserves love with all of our might, with everything that is in us. There are two things in this life that I, that, that I want to be exclusive with. Number one, my love for God. He owns my life. And number two, my love for my wife. That's probably my favorite word in my marriage, is that she is exclusive. I have an exclusive love for her. That is why my marriage is based off of biblical love. I'm supposed to love her like I love my God. I don't flirt with other gods. He's my one God. He owns my life. So this is the main point of this passage. This is not, to be honest, this this passage is not a parenting how-to manual. The main point of this passage is worship and honor God. 
He's to be the center of your life. And then for our homes, God is to be, to be the center of our lives. Not TV, not getting a good job, not social media, not mom, not dad, not sports, not politics. The center of our home should unquestionably, obviously be God. It's such a simple point, isn't it? But it's just so hard. Because I can't remember who said it, but they said that our, our hearts are idol factories. We just produce idols. Anything that is not in the center of our life is an idol. It is as if you go to my house and you realize that I'm the center of the home. That, that everything has to revolve around me. Is dad in a good mood or is dad in a bad mood? Does dad want to watch this show? Does dad want to eat this? Is dad, does this schedule mean this? So we have to, you know, orientate our lives to that. If you walk into my home and, you, and that's kind of what you realize, that I'm the center of my home, it would be no different than you walking into my home and there's just a little golden statue. Imagine if you're in my community group next Sunday, next Tuesday night, and you walk into my home, and we've got a little golden statue, a little idol, you know, right there. You're like, What's, what in the world? You'd be weirded out by that. You're like, Robert's got something serious going on in his heart. But that's the case when I put myself up as the idol of my home. That's the case when I put my kids getting good grades or having a good social life as the center of my home. Or that's, that's the same thing as if I try to, if, if my whole, my wife and I's whole focus is to make as much money as possible so we can get a, a comfortable lifestyle to go on the good vacations and get a good, get the good car and just have our lives at ease. That is just as much as an idol as if you came to my home and saw a big golden statue. And it is, an, and it is abominable to God. It is abominable to God. And it should make us sick as Christians. It should make us repent in sorrow. Because God is the only God. He's the only God. And in America, it's so hard to, to remember that sometimes because our lives are just so clouded and crudded up with stuff that we forget that God is the only God of our lives. So if we feel shame or guilt from that, that is shame and guilt that is meant to bring us to godly sorrow, to bring us to godly repentance, to God to confess that God forgive me Forgive me, forgive me, save me, God. God is the only God that deserves first place in your life. What is first place in your life? Or what is, what is a close second that is, that is gaining pace on God? You know what I mean? We're, this, these are the questions that we ask. Not to be legalistic, but because we love God. <laughs> we love God. We love Him. We love Him. We love him. We love his honor. Just the way John prayed this morning was just so spirit-filled because it was just tears of love for God. So I want to kill everything in my life that is gaining ground on that. Or I want to see it as proper perspective. Love God with all your heart. Worship him. Here's where it gets scary. Paul Tripp, who wrote this book called Shepherding a Child's Heart, says this. Children are spring-loaded for worship. One of the most important callings God has given parents is to display the greatness, the goodness, and the glory of God for whom they are made. What's scary about it is our kids are watching us. My kids know what I treasure. 
You know, I think I might have even said this before a while ago. Not that you'd remember, but I, my, my littlest, uh, not my littlest, uh, my two-year-old, we'd be sitting down in the den, and she would go find the remote and bring it to me and say, Dad, Dad, remote. That sounds sweet, doesn't it? But that's horrible because she associated the remote with Dad. I need to, like, tear my clothes in dust and ashes and weep for that. Oh, I can't hide that from my, from my two-year-old. That's the, golly, the hardest part of parenting isn't parenting. The hardest part of parenting is treasuring and loving God. Because it's just so hard. What do your kids see? What are you displaying to your kids? So what are they going to worship? Oh, I want to worship God, and I want to call my kids alongside of that. I want them to know that I love God more than them, more than my wife, more than anything else. That God is the center of my life. God is the center of our home. One of my favorite stories is of this this, uh, missionary named John Patton. Uh, It's an incredible, incredible story. He was a missionary to the New Hebride Islands where there was just crazy stuff going on. But before he went, he, was, you know, he, he went as a, as a young man, but he was raised in a godly home. And uh, they had this little tiny little closet in the middle of their house. Uh, he lived in the UK. And they, they had this distinct memory. All these kids have this distinct memory of dad going into the closet after every meal and just praying. And they t- he, he writes about in his book the... The, the sobs and the, the moaning and the, the crying out and the rejoicing that the kids heard when, he, when, when their dad was in the closet. And, and, and he just talks about just that the kids would just get quiet because they knew they were on, on holy ground. And then the dad would come out and he would just place his hands on his kids and just lead them in prayer. And just, it says that he would just be weeping over us, praying for us, praying for the lost. How do you think John Patton developed a heart for the lost? Because he, he saw it in his dad. And then God came in through the Holy Spirit and opened up John's own eyes and gave him a heart to go to the lost. I want my kids to, 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 to say that. I want my kids to know that, that, that I treasure God. The hard thing is we're going to fail, as I, as I just mentioned. We're going to fail. Chris said this last week, and it's, and it's important to repeat, repeat every week. When we fail as parents, that's the time to not hide it, not sweep it under the rug, but to confess it. Our kids will see our sin, so let's confess it. When we sin against our spouse, let's confess it openly to them. Appropriately, let's confess appropriately We don't need to go into all the dirty details, maybe. But we need to confess. And if we've wronged them, we need to go to them and confess, to apologize to them. I've told you that that was one of the most powerful things in my life growing up, was my dad coming to my bed, my mom coming to my bed at night, getting on their knees and apologizing to me for a way that they've sinned against me. I remember that so strongly, so vividly. Because those are the moments when I learned the gospel. When we confess our sins to our children, we teach them the gospel. We say, I am a sinner a great, great sinner. But Jesus is a greater Savior. 
I'm sharing this with the kids at Clubhouse. They're hearing this. And it's funny. I, I actually made this point a couple weeks ago to, to the kids at Clubhouse. And, and Ellie and Meg, I said, do you, do you, I hope you don't forgive me for this. Hopefully it doesn't offend you. But I said, uh, kids, did you ever see your parents sin? And they're all like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Ellie and Meg are kind of right next to me. And they're kind of like. I'm like, you can say it, Ellie and Meg. I'm a great sinner. Like, okay, yeah, you're a big sinner. And all the kids are like, yeah, okay, Robert's a big sinner. But that's the moment to share the gospel. That's the moment to share the gospel. Which leads into the next point. Number one, love God. Number two, parenting is about teaching. One of the main ways we love God, we obey God, is to pass on his word. We see this here in Deuteronomy. We see this everywhere in the New Testament. In the Great Commission of Matthew 28, of Matthew, yeah, 28, um, we have a message. God has given us a message. Divine, inscripturated truth that's outside of ourselves. Proverbs 1, 8 through 9 says, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching, for they are a graceful garland for your head and pendants for your neck. We give our kids God's word because it is, it is grace. It is life to them. We are not passive in this. We are not lazy parents with this. Sometimes growing up, I've heard this my entire life. I've, I've heard, uh, I've been, you be in conversations with men and women and about parenting, about, about God's word, knowing God's word. And, and I've heard a lot of dads say, oh, well, I, 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 just, I just don't know it. Mom, you know, mom knows it. Men, can I kind of speak to you for a second? Can I challenge you, men, for a second? Will you know God's word? Will you devote your life to this book? Will you do it for your own sake? Will you do it for your kids' sake? Don't be a man that uses the excuse, oh, well, my, well just, they'll get that from, from mom. They'll get that from church. They'll get that from somewhere else. Men, will you know your word? Will you know it? If you are lazy, don't be lazy with God's word. I hope you don't mind me challenging you. I hope you don't mind it. But you need to be challenged. You need to be challenged. If you are lazy in your household. And one reason I say this is because some man once challenged me. He was telling me how, how he raised, raised his kids. This is when Ellie was not even a year old. And he was telling me what he did at bedtime to, to teach his kids the word and, and to sing with them and to pray with them. And he said, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, uh, Kim. Kim does bedtime. Thankfully, thank you, Kim. He said, well, what are you doing? I'm like, that's when I'm relaxing and watching TV. And he just, he just challenged me, looked me dead square in the eyes and said, Robert, you also have a responsibility to teach your children. When are you going to do it? And that's what I need to say to some of you. When are you going to do this? You need to teach your children God's word. So that means you've got to be a student of it yourself. You've got to know it yourself. Study God's word, labor to know God's word, to understand it. 
One of the coolest things that Ron does in his church, he teaches, Ron Surgeon, he teaches people how to share the gospel. He, te- he disciple, teaches people how to disciple people. And for some of you that have gone through that training, you know what Discovery Bible Study is. It's opening up God's Word and just asking simple questions. What does this say about God? What First, what does it say? What does it say about God? What does it say about, about the characters in the story? Is there a promise that we need to hold on to? Is there a sin to avoid? Just asking simple questions. You can do that. Develop that practice in your life. Y'all, I'll, I'll be honest, I struggled with this point. Of what, how, how, how much I needed to share to go into detail about knowing God's Word and teaching it. Because sometimes, I feel like in today's age, we, we're so scared to, to, challenge, to challenge people. Because I'm scared that, I don't know what I'm scared of. I'm scared that I might, I don't, I don't know. That you'll feel guilt right now and feel shame and, and, and want to just exit, want to leave. But as I study the scriptures, I got to say what this says. And this says we, we have to, we, this has to be at the center of our lives. Because when we teach our kids, we don't teach them, we're not, it's not willy-nilly, whatever we think is good. Not what, what mama said. Have you ever seen the movie Waterboy? Everything in his life, Adam Sandler, you know, that character in his life is what, what mama said. That's not, that's not what we do. As Christians, we're called to something different. We are anchored, chained to this book. Whether we like it or not, this is God's word. And we don't take this thing and beat our heads kids with it. I mean, this, this would hurt. I mean, you know what I mean? I could just, you know what I mean? <laughs> Levi, sorry, buddy. That's what, that's not, sorry, I hit you a little harder. He needs it. Hit you again, man. <laughs> Whoa, would you see that? Mm, repent, repent. <laughs> Don't hear this is not me taking the Bible and whopping you upside the head so you can feel wounded and just walk away like this. That's not what I'm talking about. Man, it is sitting down with your child and going to Psalm 23 and saying, The Lord is my shepherd. Ellie, do you know what that means? That God carries you. He carries you. When you get hurt, he picks you up. If you're lost, it says, and then Jesus talks about this in the New Testament, he's going to leave 99 of his own. He's going to go after you. That's not beating my head over, my, my kid's head over the Bible. That is giving them life. This is life. This is salvation. If I love my kids... I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but if I love my kids in a relationship and we have a really strong relationship, but I haven't given them this, I've failed because this, the, the, the gospel message, the message of the Bible is salvation. It is salvation. It is life. It is not restrictive rules. We have to labor to show our kids. This isn't about rules. This is about salvation, life, freedom, protection, forgiveness for eternity. Now, I am not in charge of my kid's soul, but if I fail to give them God's word, man, I'm standing in their way between them and heaven. That is a responsibility that I have. That when I married that woman, the possibility of me having kids just rose exponentially. And if you're getting married, if you're married, 
And you don't have kids. You got to be ready to have kids. That's what someone told us before I have kids, before we got married. When you get married, you better be ready to be a parent. Because this is your responsibility. And it's not light. It's not easy. It's hard. It's not hard. It's, it's a fight. If you, you, some of you young people, some of y'all sit, you know, you might have kids one day. You got to be ready. You got to start now. You got to be ready. Where do your convictions come from on how you're going to live your life? And parents, where do your convictions come from on where you're going to parent your children? Grandparents, where do your convictions now on how you're going to relate to your children and how you're going to relate to your grandchildren? It's got to come from God's word. We've got to share this with them. We've got to. It is life. It is not restrictive. It is not to shame them. It is to point them to Jesus Christ. The last point is we love God. We teach our children and we're with them. Someone said this once that the most important word in parenting is the word with. That was great to hear that. We might have something to teach our kids, but if we're never with them, and it's vice versa. We might be with our kids, but we've got nothing to teach them. These points are, are, are not exclusive. They're, they're mutually important to each other. Are you with your children? You can't pass along things to your children if you don't have it. You can't pass it along to them unless you're with them. This is what God has done, isn't it? God has not only been, he's not only given us his word and said, here's a book, there you go. He's done two things. First of all, he gave us himself in a person, Jesus Christ, a relationship. And then he gave us the Holy Spirit. So when Jesus left, the Holy Spirit came down and the Holy Spirit... The Spirit of Christ lives with us. So we have a relationship with God, and we have something outside of ourselves to point to, to study, to look at. Are you with your children? Is, is, is family time a huge priority in your life? You, we could talk forever about ways to do this, but just this is nothing novel here, but family dinner is important. Fight hard for family dinner. Fight hard for that. Did you see on Facebook this video circulating around a week or so ago of, that asked parents, first of all, if you could have dinner with one person, who would it be? And they were just saying all these famous people. And then they brought their kids in. They said, if there's one person you could have uh, dinner with, who would it be? And they all were saying, can, do I, does it have to be someone besides my family? Can I, can I say family? They're like, sure. And all these kids are saying, oh, with mom and dad. I want dinner with mom and dad. Our kids are hardwired to long to be with us. To be with us. Not us food and TV. Not us food and our phone. Not us food and a million extracurricular activities that we've killed our schedule with. We need to be with our kids. We have to. And it's getting harder and harder and harder. Harder and harder and harder. And you'll feel the pressure because everybody else is sending their kids to all this stuff. Like, oh, no, my kid's going to get behind in that. And you feel that pressure. Not to say, I mean, we love putting our kids in stuff. We love it. But we, but we have to have a priority for family time. Because I know that my kids need to be with me. They need to be with, with us. 
Another thing is, is take your kids out for on dates. That's we have we have daddy daughter nights, daddy date daddy daughter date nights, mommy daughter date nights. And now our son, he's he's only ten months. We're gonna have the same with him. You don't spend a lot. I go to Gibson's. I've had some of the sweetest times of my life after school, sitting with my one of my kids, just looking at her in the face. My phone is in the car. I could give a a crud about my phone. I'm just looking at her. Sorry, sorry. I'm just staring at those beautiful blue eyes. And I say, Ellie, what's your favorite color? What's your favorite animal? Ellie, what's your favorite thing about mom? Oh, yeah, well, let me tell you something I love about mom. What's your favorite thing about God? Let me tell you my favorite thing about God. Ellie, let me show you this verse that I read this morning. Isn't that cool? And she's just talking and talking and talking and talking and talking. talking. And we're eating a 69-cent donut. And it's heaven, man. It's heaven. It's heaven. I got to fight for those times. It's hard. Schedules get, get filled up. We got to fight for those times. And when, when one kid finds out that I want on a daddy-daughter, the other kid's like, oh, I want to go. I'm like, okay, we'll get you. Come on, let's, let's, let's go. What's the sweetest time? If, if, if you're a grandparent and you haven't had a daddy-daughter date with your, with your child recently, go do it. Call them up and say, I'm taking you on a date. And just get... Talk to them. Do the same with your grandchildren. Do the same. Get to know your kids. Love them. It's the sweetest thing. Here's the hard thing. I know, I know this is hard for several people in this room. So many people in this room that have jobs that have long hours. Don't feel guilt for that if you have to work hard, okay? If you're a single mother, a single father in this room, and your time with your child is limited because of that, oh, God bless you. We pray for you. We want to support you. We want to help you. We want to do what we can to free up parts of your schedule to have time with your child. So you're just going to have to get a little more creative about how to to fight for that time. And you're going to have to maximize that time. But we know it's hard. I've got a good friend of mine right now that is really struggling with this. His job starts can be or start early morning, go long hours at night. So he'll get home. He won't see two of his four kids because they're, they're young and they're just in bed. He's really close, actually, to quitting his job, taking another job with less pay so he can be around his kids more. That's a hard decision to make. That's a really hard decision to make. I can't, I'm not giving him advice either way. I'm just I'm applauding him, though, for his thought on it, for thinking about it. We can't, if our job, if our desire is, is again, we've got to attack the American dream, but I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm attacking again because we have to. If our job is to make as much money as possible, to get as, as comfortable life as possible, but in doing so we sacrifice time with our kids, then we, we've lost something. So maybe you need a less paying job that gives you more time with your kids. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I'm not your Holy Spirit. I don't know your situation. I'm just asking you to think. To think. Think. How can you fight for time with your kids? Walk with them. Walk with your children. Be with your children. 
some of the greatest struggles of my life. My dad was with me the whole way. And to this day, he's still with me as an accountability partner. He's with me, and I, I treasure that, that relationship with him. So God has given us a call to love him, to teach our kids the scriptures, and to do so in a relationship. And we cannot lose one without the other. We can't just teach the scriptures just to get information, thinking that if we just get enough verses memorized in their head, if we get them to a church enough times, then they're just going to turn out good. Then, then if, they just, if I just do a family devotional enough, then that's the most important thing. If we do that, both out pursuing their hearts, doing what, we, what we've been learning the past couple of weeks, learning to speak with our, to, with our hearts, letting our kids feel their feelings and express them and, and meeting them there and, and having a tender heart. If we don't do that and all we do is just beat our kids with the scriptures, they're, they're going re, to reject us. They're going to reject the scriptures because there's no relationship. But if, if, we don't, if we let our kids have healthy hearts and just let them express themselves in a very emotionally healthy way and we meet them there, we have this incredible relationship, but we don't give them the scriptures, then every time in their life going forward, if, if they have a hard time, Man, they, they might be an emotional wreck. They're not going to have God's truth to, to tie them down to something, something that's divinely inspired outside of themselves. So my, my, I'm, I'm begging you, think, think of both. Think of both. This is our job as parents. But ultimately, our job is to trust God because we are not in charge, we're not in charge of, of our kids' hearts. Parenting is the scariest thing I've ever done the scariest thing I have ever done. I have lots of fear when it comes, to, when it comes to parenting. But the gift of fear is faith. So I, at any moment, I'm scared of what might happen to my kids, what are my kids' future is going to be like. Will they love God? Will they seek after God? But I can't control their hearts. I have to trust God. That's what we have to do. We have to trust our perfectly heavenly Father. Let me pray for us. Dear God, we trust you. You're our our perfect heavenly Father, Lord, and we need you. We need you, God, because we are, we are, our hearts can run after other gods. Our hearts can satisfy ourselves on, on other things. Our hearts can get off track, God. So, Lord, thank you that you forgive us through the gospel the good news of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for any, any parent in, the, in this room right now, God, no matter, no matter the age, may they uh, feel the grace that you offer them in this moment. But wherever they've messed up in the past, they know that you have forgiven them, that you love them, Lord, give them the strength to to follow you, to honor you. Lord, I pray for any relationships, any any parenting child or relationships in this room that have been marred by, by something hard, by a sin that one or the other has committed 
to the, to the other person, a child to their parent or the parent to the child, Lord, if there's a, 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 just a destroyed relationship because of that sin, Lord, I pray, please, God, that you will show up in that situation and bring healing. Bring renewal, God, where there, where perhaps they, they don't see a way ahead. They say it's just impossible for that relationship to be restored. Only you, God, know the ins and outs of that relationship. And I know that in the, in the, in the sin of, of, of that broken relationship that Satan is, is wanting to just drive that nail in further, even harder, to bring more twisting, more confusion, more pain, more death, more hurt from that situation. Lord, I just pray right now for the Holy Spirit to come in with healing power. And Lord, if that you'll give wisdom to this person going through the situation right now of what to do. Whether it's a letter to write, a phone call to make, a face-to-face conversation to have. Lord, I pray for restored relationships between parent and child. We're about to do communion together. This is a representation of us as a, as a family. Coming together in our weakness, in our sin, and just saying, Jesus, I need your shed blood and your broken body for me. I encourage you to do this with your family. If you have a teenager in this room, or if you have a, a child in this room, go grab them. Don't let them do it with their friends this time. No offense, friend groups. Go grab them and say, you're my, you don't have to say this, but, say, but you're saying, you're my child and I love you. And we're going to go to the foot of the cross together. Do it as a family. Don't just do it as just your family. Do it with other families too. But get your kids with you. Come enjoy, enjoy God's grace that he offers you through communion.